Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. You can sing with me if you'd like. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Now let's invite Willie Nelson. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation. That's how I do some of my praise and worship. I do it in my voice, which I learned to sing, you know, at the Pentecostal Church of God. And we sang so many Southern choruses and, and a lot of these songs were birthed out of the Ozarks. And people that really found joy in heaven because sometimes their walk on the earth wasn't quite as rewarding. How many of you know that it's very easy to get caught up in the error of the health wealth gospel? That, you know, that God is just supposed to be your rubber stamp. He's your hot ticket to just make you prosperous and make you healthy and wealthy. And the Bible is full of heroes of faith that they deferred some of those gains for their faith in Jesus Christ. We've been talking about I love my church and, uh, and so I will get somewhere with singing Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. Uh, I want to start out with that to let people know that uh, personal worship, being able to sing. You can have a song in your heart in the night after every mile after every trial, anyone can sing when the sun's shining bright. But you can have a song in your heart at night. Now, where, where did I learn these songs? I learned them from my mama. My mom uh, was a lady that was raising six of us. There were seven of us. One passed away in uh, sudden infant uh, death. Uh, when he was about six months old, and he would have been a younger brother to me. And so uh, when mom found the Lord, uh, God put the song in her. And uh, she had the grace to sing those, those songs uh, to us kids. And, and I know that I have received great strength in my walk with God uh, through the songs that, that are in my heart, you know. Uh, just that some of the songs that, that came out of the Ozarks were songs of, of struggling, you know, uh, about uh, it's going to be worth it when we see Jesus. And, you know, people that, are, people that are arrogant, sometimes they mock that kind of music and say, well, you know, uh, shouldn't we just be able to get everything we want? You know, we just put our trust in the Lord, we get everything. 
Well, I found out that that happened a lot more when I was a brand new believer. But the more I walk with God, the more there was a space in between answered prayers sometimes. How many of you found that certain things that God puts in your heart aren't going to just happen overnight? Like when he said, go to Medford and establish his kingdom. We haven't rounded them all up yet. There's still some non-compliant Christians, much less sinners out there. But see, uh, long-term vision, it's going to take some faith and some prayer. And it's going to take a song in the night. It's going to take uh, you being able to sing songs of deliverance and being able to encourage yourself. So we've been doing a series. I love, I love my church. I love the city. I love my church. I love the city. I love the world. I love this, the church. How many of you know the church, one, we are a local church. We're Joy Church Medford. Thank you for coming today. In case you tried to go to Table Rock Fellowship, sorry you're here. Stay. Hopefully, hopefully you gave in, in the offering. Okay, we really appreciate people coming. But see, the church is represented locally, but the church or the household of God is made up of all who call on the name of the Lord. And King David had an amazing vision of God's tabernacle and of his temple and of the, the glory of the house of the Lord, which far transcended anything he had because the best that God would permit him to do was have a tent where they, they brought the Ark of the Covenant. And in this, this tent, there was all this praise and worship going on. Meanwhile, back at the temple, or meanwhile, back at uh, uh, Gibeah, I believe it was, they still had the old... Uh, uh, preparation for, uh, you know, just uh, they were maintaining kind of the routine of under Moses. And there was this period of time where David had the tabernacle of David and that's praise and worship was going on all the time. And so David had this vision of, of seeing the heavenly temple and he wanted to build a glorious representation on the earth. And so the Lord had stopped uh, David at one time and said, hey, Dave, I know it's in your heart to build me a house. Because it's so much in your heart to build me a house, I'm going to build you a house, the house of David, meaning the household. So when we talk about the house, you can come to my house on Barnberg, and we call it, you know, the Schmelzer house. It's the Schmelzer house, and it's the place where, you know, Schmelzers and others live. Now it's the man house for the, the internship program. But but the household of the Schmelzers is made up of, of, of kids and, 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 and people. And so long after we tear that old structure down, hopefully the household of Schmelzer will be multiplying and will be an everlasting group of kings and priests serving the Lord. My goal is that centuries from now, there will be people who have my name who, who will not bow to Baal. And, 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 and how, how do we get there? By caring about building the Lord's house. So we've been looking at First Chronicles chapter 29. And a couple of weeks ago, I was speaking on, because I love my church, therefore I'm willing to give. And David donated 2857000000 million $190,400 worth of gold. Now, it wasn't just, you know, just your run-of-the-mill gold. There was a certain region where they would bring gold from called Ophir, and the gold of Ophir was considered to be the best gold of ancient times. And that was the kind of gold that David had. 
possibly he would get tribute from different nations and it might be a lesser gold. And he probably swapped out and said, no, I want the best gold. And when it came to his offering, he gave nearly $3 billion. Watch this, not from the state of Israel, but he gave it from the house of David. In, in, in silver, he gave $86,112,420 worth of silver from his own house. And he said this, he said, because of my affection for the house of the Lord, I give. It's really interesting because the word worship is basically a joining of two words, worth and ship. You see, how much you feel the Lord is worth to you will affect a couple of things. It'll affect what you do physically and it will affect what you do verbally. Okay, I met a little girl in, in Oakland, California. I actually met her in Sacramento and at, at a wedding. No, I actually came from Sacramento, met her in Oakland and returned to Oakland and uh, you know, uh, I said I do, she did and I'm done, okay? My affection for Kim uh, needed to be more than just words. Hey, baby, you're hot, you know, and uh, you want to go to Oregon, and, you know, maybe we can make something happen. Uh-uh. That, that sucks. That's worthless. Let me just say this. If you want to marry, put a ring on it. What's that song? What's that? Come on, help me, girls. Danny. Sing it real loud. If you like it, put a ring on it. Okay, that's my favorite. Right now, that's my favorite secular song. Guys, if you like it, you better put a ring on it, Fritz. That's not the little twisty off of a bread wrapper either. Come on now. We're talking bling bling. If you need understanding, uh, just visit my mother-in-law. She'll teach you what bling is. And she knows the difference between diamonds and cubic zirconium. And so my affection for Kim needed to, to not just be verbal, but it needed to be actual. Which is very interesting because David seemed to have this concept that, that um, he wanted to do more than song and dance. So he physically gave a whole trucks full of gold. I think uh, one version says 112 tons of gold. Now that's going to take a lot of Ford Rangers all lined up with gold in them. He was bringing camel loads of gold to do more than just show up and say, hey, I'm here with nice words. But he came with nice actions. But on the other hand, he didn't just come up silently and say, hey, here's my cash. I guess that'll, that, you know, of course I'm a worshiper. Look what I gave. No. He verbally poured in. Just as in a good marriage, it's not just good enough for me to say, well, Kim, we, 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 you know, we have enough money to eat and we have enough, uh, you know, gas to heat the house in the, in the winter. And, uh, you know, from time to time, if you yell at me, I'll take out the garbage. How about words of endearment? How about studying her? The Bible said that we're to study our mate and to know them. One of the things that frustrates me because when I got turned on to Jesus, I fell in love with the Father. 
I fell in love with those hidden valleys where shepherd, shepherds are developed. And I learned to praise and fast and pray and to hear the voice of the Lord. And one of the things that frustrates me as a pastor is when people will treat God like a property and not like a person. See, see, my hammer hanging up in my garage, which is a good place, George Odom tells me, just because you have tools doesn't mean you need to use them. Let us use them for you. And I've learned that. But my hammer doesn't care if I use it for a paperweight, if I use it for a decoration, or if I use it to frame a house. My hammer is a property, but my God is a person. And I think that praise and worship is more than, hey, this is the preliminary time. We kind of sing and that's supposed to get the folks all lathered up and frothed up. And then when the preaching comes, we get to the serious business. Let me just say this. David felt that his praise and worship was as equal in power as what he could do physically, financially, in every way. So the first half of 1 Chronicles chapter 29, we see that David talks about the offering and, 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 and he gave so willingly with such a beautiful heart and it inspired others to give generously. But the second half is about worship. And we, we're going to find that David was not only able to motivate people to give, but he was able to motivate them to get on their knees and to worship the living God. So let's look at these 11 uh, verses here, 1 Corinthians 29, 11 and or 10 and following from the New Living Translation, says, Then David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly. Well, my faith is private. It might be so private, God doesn't even know you have it. If you're such a secret Christian, no one knows you're a believer, you probably ain't. You're a person that's got enough religion. But when you're born again, when you're really in love, you're going to be talking about it. When I fell in love with that little dark-haired girl, I did six or three round trips in one month from Portland to Oakland to see her. One time I was driving from Portland and I passed Medford. Yeah, Medford, lots of history here because I was living in Portland at the time. And, 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 and all of a sudden, I'm thinking about Kim, and I look over on the left, and there's Lake Shasta. I want to tell you something. When you're, when, when you're in love, and you're getting ready to go put a ring on it, you're talking about it. Hey, I met someone really cool. Not only that, she can talk really fast and make spaghetti and spin it on a fork faster than anyone else I've ever met. I loved her then and now. Hello? In the presence of the assembly, David worshiped. Did he have a, a powerful private life with God? He did. Magnificent times of prayer. But there came a time when it's time to open up your arms and say, guys, at this point, I don't give a fluffy rip what people are thinking. I'm here to honor my God in the midst of his people and like-minded people are going to come in line and people that want to be grumpy and the hateful, mean Christians, they're going to file out. I guess I'm talking to that group. F finish the sermon at least. Give me one last one before you all file out. You're all looking at me like, you're talking about me. Now we have a group of worshipers here. 
David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly. O Lord, the God of our ancestor Israel, may you be praised forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Wealth and honor come from you alone, for you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand, and at your discretion people are made great and given strength. O our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I? And who are my people that we could give anything to you? Everything we have has come from you, and we give you only what you first gave us. Whoa. If we just get this wrapped around our mind, we'd never have a problem with giving to God. Well, you know, that's a lot of money, you know, giving 10% to God. Really? How's it rank up to $3 billion? And the guy that gave the $3 billion is the first one on his face saying, God, who am I? You'd even consider me. I like it. I've seen that sometimes great givers financially are also so broken before God. Because of worship, what is the worth? And what is the boat that carries me to respect the worth? And so I can show by my giving my worship to God. And I can show by my words and the love and affection that I have for him. Can't quit talking about him. When I get touched by God, I cry. If you see me crying, it's a happy time for me. Because otherwise I'm just mean. I've only got two, two gears. <laughs> mean and crying. Crying is good. Just let him go. Don't, 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 don't stir him up, children. He's crying. It's good. Worship. Worship. David was so broken before God. Who am I? Everything we have comes from you. Now look at this. We are here for only a moment. You know, I've seen people hoard money right to the day they died. Who are they saving it for? <laughs> Give me what verse I'm on. I'm all over right now. 15. Visitors and strangers in the land as our ancestors were before us. Our days on earth are like a passing shadow gone so soon without a trace. O oh Lord, our God, even this material we have gathered to build a temple to honor your holy name comes from you. It all belongs to you. Amen. I know, my God, that you examine our hearts and rejoice when you find integrity there. You know, I have done all this with good motives and I have watched your people offer their gifts willingly and joyously. O oh Lord, the God of our ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, make your people always want to obey you. See to it that their love for you never changes. Give my son Solomon the wholehearted desire to obey all your commands, laws, and decrees, and to do everything necessary to build this temple for which I have made these preparations. Then David said to the whole assembly, give praise to the Lord your God, and the entire assembly praised the Lord, the God of their ancestors, and they bowed low and knelt before the Lord and the king. We're going to finish this meeting at some point, not yet, but we're going to do it. I'm going to kneel before God, and I'm going to suggest every one of you that can physically kneel, do it. 
I'm, I'm not done. I'm just not even into my notes. Sit down, Johnny. Gosh. It's Johnny time, obviously. <laughs> he is so beloved. If you had a son like Johnny, it's terrible. You feel like you're not even a Christian when you're around him. That's what I have to live with all the time. He's just easy, good dancer, slender, good looking, great smile. Never has a bad attitude like Gino and Allie did over that bad corn dog. Anyway, before we finish, Johnny, uh, we're, we're going to kneel. And, and if you cannot kneel, uh, could you lean forward and maybe put your, your head? Nothing like the power of all of us doing something together. How many, how many hate going to a party and half the people are mad? It's my party. I can cry if I want to. I don't want to go to that party. I want where everybody's like hysterical. <laughs> this is great. All the cotton candy we can all eat. <laughs> Same thing with praise and worship. I don't want to go to a church where half the people. The devil's chased me all week. Bless his holy name. When did the devil get a holy name? I like it when someone said, man, we got some hits. We're winning some ball games. Things are going good. We're in the Lord. And the Lord's taking us over the top. And we're going to honor him. And we're going to praise him. Because we're going to get used to winning. And we all do it. So I've got some notes here. Uh, number one, worship is not just private but public. I already, I already mentioned it out of order, but yes. Worship is private. I've had great times of, of, of worship. Great times in High Mountain Lakes, like, like Four Mile Lake, which is six miles up the road. Figure that out. I've had times where God broke through while I was driving. One time I was coming down off the, the grapevine and near Bakersfield and and I hadn't cried for five years. I'd gone through some trauma and, and all of a sudden I could cry. And those were the best tears. And I was able to worship the Lord. I've had great times of worship that have been alone. But I will tell you this. Jesus is in the midst of his church. And there's something about, like David said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And I went with the throng. And I inquired in your temple, there's something that's really cool about the throng. The throng of really hyperactive, excited worshipers of God doing it together. That's really powerful. So David not only had it, you know, as a private thing, it was a public thing. The second thing is that true worship is thoughtful and reflective of God's works and attitudes. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord. And this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Wow. Let's keep going. I'm up here and my iPad is like freaking out. It's like when you have a contact lens and you get a speck in your eye and you're on a job interview and you're like that. And you're going, oh, that guy's going to think I've got a crazy eye. That's how my iPad is right now. Okay, it, it, it behaved again. 
We adore you as the one who is over all things. Wealth and honor come from you alone. For you rule over everything, power and might are in your hand and at your discretion. People are made great and given strength. Oh, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. Just as in a, in a relationship, if you want to be a good husband or a good wife, don't be the last one to know what your husband really likes. I'm always amazed when I get around the, you know, the person that dominates and, and, and their husband or their, their wife are so dominated, they never speak up. Well, you know, Ricky, he really, he likes this, this, and this. And you get Ricky alone and say, no, I hate that stuff. Why don't you say something? Well, you know, she's all on a roll and I don't want to pick a fight. How do you know that a lot of divorces happened because someone was clueless? There's a difference between peanuts and pistachios. And if someone asks for pistachios, they know what peanuts are, they want pistachios. And I think that with God, what we do is like, well, God's just going to have to take whatever I give him because, you know, I've got talents and the Lord's lucky to have me. Are you kidding? God's not lucky to have us. We're lucky to have him. <laughs> you know, you know that, that time's going to go on until the whole marriage of the, uh, the supper of the lamb is full. So if you and I and all of us here at this church said, we're all going to just backslide and go to hell, it wouldn't... It'd be a bad deal for us, but it wouldn't, wouldn't change the kingdom hardly at all. God just says, well, I'm going to raise up faithful people and they're going to multiply and there's going to be, and every table's going to be full and I'm going to have a party and they're all going to be shouting down the power at the party. So we find here that being thoughtful and reflective of God's works is so important. David brings up greatness, power, glory, the victory. How many of you know that certain, certain of, of, of the people that we can choose to hang with tend to be winners in life. They tend to do what's right. They play by the rules. They're patient. They're calm. They keep their mouth closed at the appropriate time. They speak up the appropriate time and they win. I like being around people who tend to veer towards the win. I don't like being around people that self-sabotaging behavior because that's not how God is. God veers towards the wind when it looks like his family, his tribes, his people are really not doing well. He never loses heart. The Bible said that with patience, the husbandman prepares for the harvest of the earth. The patience of Job is in God multiplied because he's the victory. He is the victory. He is the victory. I am in Jesus. I have been in Jesus strongly since I was 16 and I'm 63. That means for about 47 years because I keep hanging with the victory and through opposition, through discouragement, I know there's going to be a win. Persevere. I'd like to preach today if I could. Persevere! <laughs> David. David understand, understood setbacks and ultimate win. <coughs> Running through the woods. Actually through the desert. 
He understood God. To you, God, I lift up my soul. As a deer pants after the water brook, so does my heart pant after you, oh my God. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Psalm 22, Psalm of David, which was actually quoted by his great, 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 great grandson, Jesus Christ. Reflective worship. You want to get me talking about my wife, Kim? I'm going to bore you to tears because I can keep talking about the virtues, about the love, about the encouragement that this girl is to me. You want to get bored out of your gourd? You get me talking about my God. You can get me talking about he took my life. He delivered me from depression. He delivered me from sorrow. He has done everything good in my life, but he doesn't make it a big cakewalk. There are times I've got to remember, you are in Jesus Christ. He's the victory. Well, it looks like you're losing. People are laughing at you. People are mocking you because it looks like you're losing. But I'm in the victory. And he is the majesty and the glory. Everything on the earth is yours. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Wealth and honor come from you alone. Power and might are in your hand. Wow. Worship isn't just like, let's find some cutesy song that doesn't mean anything. What did you do at worship? Well, we clapped really fast and loud. How about the fact that sometimes I think it's beautiful. Sometimes my kids will notice that they'll sing a song and I'll be down here and guess what's happening? I'm a sheet of tears. Well, how come we didn't know it? Because I'm on the front row. Unless I'm crying through my hair and that's awfully weird. Because why? Because I'm thinking of my dad. I'm thinking of my father, God. How kind he is. How good he is. How forgiving he is. Wouldn't it be great if just from time to time we'd look around the church and you just see people bursting into tears. Just sobbing. Not from self-pity. Not charging God foolishly but just so torn up about how good God is. Reflective, thoughtful worship. Third point, we can more properly assess ourselves after looking at God's greatness. David was able to look in the mirror and in light of the Father, he's given all this offering. And then he comes back and says, but who am I? All that money, <laughs> you made it happen. All the time, when I should have been pinned by a javelin, but mysteriously it missed me. And all the time that I ran and I lacked food and bread, and even water from times, it was you who said that you'd call me to be king and you were gonna take me from leading the sheep to leading the people of God. One of the things that bothers me is people that get old in the Lord and get arrogant. I think we need to retain our amateur status. We need to be so broken and look in the mirror and say, God, who am I? Even the offering, even the gifting, even the things that I can give to you, they were all given to you, Lord. I find in you, you are, all my springs of joy are in you, God. Number four, worship influences generosity. David said, all this material we have gathered 
to honor your holy name comes from you. It all belongs to you. It's funny how folk have a hard time giving back God his own money. Wow. It means we don't see. We just don't see. It's all his. My house, my car, my iPad, and my iPhone, and I... Number five, worship magnifies God's personal connection to us. I know, my God, that you examine our hearts and, and rejoice when you find integrity there. You know I've done all this with good motives and I've watched your people offer their gifts willingly and joyously. Number six, worship and prayer are linked. David went from praising to praying, O oh Lord the God of our ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, make your people always want to obey you. See to it that their love for you never changes. Give my son Solomon the wholehearted desire to obey all your commands, laws, and decrees, and to do everything necessary to build this temple for which I have made these preparations. Last point, or second to last point, worship is better when the whole congregation does it. David said to the whole assembly, give praise to the Lord your God and the entire assembly praised the Lord, the God of their ancestors, and they bowed low and knelt before the Lord and the king. I'd like to just share another little a cappella song. A friend of ours years ago, he took over a church in Vancouver, Canada, and it had been a graveyard of pastors. It had been a prominent church of 600 600 people at one time, and at one time, I think they had, from that church of 600, they supported 60 full-time uh, missions families. And uh, there had been some tearing things, and it, the church was just ripped. And so my friend Danny Burr and Karen, they took the church, and they were finding they were having the same grind. Just this grind. And Danny is a piano player and a writer and a singer. And so in his time of despair, he, he wrote this song. Maybe Kim can help me. In all of my trials, in all of my fears, in every situation, this will be my prayer. Spirit of the living God, descend on me. Come and fill this heart and calm this troubled sea. Lord, you understand just where I am and what I really need. Spirit of the living God, descend on me. Let me lower the key. Spirit of the living God, descend on me. Come and fill my heart and calm my troubled sea. Lord, you understand just where I am and what I really need. Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, 
Spirit of the living God, descend on me. You may wonder why I'm singing a lot in this sermon. Because sometimes you may think that a preacher only preaches. But a preacher that only preaches will get dry in a hurry. Martin Luther, the great reformer, said that he not only wanted his guys to be able to preach, but he wanted them to all be musicians, to be worshipers. We heard of the Wesleyan revival, and we saw that John Wesley was a great reformer and, 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 and helped bring a great revival that spread not only in, in England, but into Europe and then over into America. But his sidekick was his brother Charles, who wrote over 5,000 songs. He would sing about thrift and diligence and God and God's glory about anything. See, sometimes we need to go back where we started. We need to be like little children. I'm going to the store with my mama today. She told me I get some otter pops. Then we get to get a corn dog for Aunt Allie and How many of you know we need to go home? We need to go home where we started. We need to go home to loving the Lord. Letting the Lord, singing to him from, Lord, you know my troubled sea. To all of the, the, the songs of praise. Final verse says, John chapter 4 and band, if you guys want to come up, we're going to sing. John 4, verses 23 and 24. But the time is coming. Indeed, it's here. It's here now. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Just a brief explanation. A lot of times people are looking for a spirit. I said a spirit, I didn't say Holy Spirit. I want to tell you something. There's a lot of spirits available out there. I don't want a random spirit to touch me. I want the Holy Spirit who's also called the spirit of truth. Because see, if I'm searching for a spirit, I want to design one that's going to fit me me still being in control, me still being my own doctor. But when I touch the spirit of truth, all of a sudden, my hustle, my lust, my pity party, my manipulation, my demands can get crunched by the absolute fiat declaration of the living God. And so what, what Jesus was saying to this Samaritan woman is he said, there's a big big hassle over which mountain we worship at and, 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 and who's better, Jews or Samaritans and we're a rejected people and you don't have a great history gal, but I want to tell you something that if you would come to me and get the everlasting life you'll never thirst again and this is what God's after he wants to dish out some living water and he wants to get some worshipers that come in day after day and say, I'm going to get my worship on. What do feelings have to do with it?
I'm going to love my wife. I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to serve the living God. And I will be an attack praiser. I am going to continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of my lips, giving thanks unto His name. Let's stand up. Stand up. This is that time I told you we're going to do what David did. How many of you think it'd be great? If you, if you cannot kneel where you're at, then sit down and, and lean over. But let's take a few minutes and let's thank God for His reckless love. That's probably number one song Christianity right now, reckless love of God. God loves you. He came after you to not make you bound to your emotions, but make you a prisoner of hope in His truth and in His spirit. God bless you. Let's sing this.